ever feel lonely? Afraid of the future? Pastor Greg Laurie has hope for you at the Harvest Crusade at the Honda Center. July 1st to 2nd, with great music from Phil Wickham, Michael W. Smith, Chris Tomlin, plus music from Taya and Passion. Bring the whole family. Admission is free. It's the Harvest Crusade at the Honda Center, July 1st to 2nd. For details, harvest.org. There are many sentiments that people carry in life that are simply not biblical. Uh, One would be, follow your heart. We don't usually learn theological truth in idle conversations over the water cooler. Pastor Greg Laurie says, beware of those adages like, follow your heart. The Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. You see, we need to follow God's heart, not our heart. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Ever played the telephone game? You and some others gather in a circle. Someone whispers a message to the first person who whispers it to the second, and so on. When the last person reveals what he heard, it's obvious that the message got wildly distorted. Some people seem to play a game like that with their Bible knowledge. They rely on what they've heard the Bible says. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to the source to discover some things people said it said that it never said. You know, there are certain things that people believe to be true that are not true. We call them old wives' fables, right? And if you're an old wife, sorry, but this is the expression. (laughs) Old wives' fables. And we've heard these from our childhoods. As an example, if I drop a piece of food on the ground, if I pick it up before five seconds, uh, it's okay. It's often called the five-second rule. Uh, that's not true because uh, bacteria transfers to food immediately. Here's another one we've all heard from our childhoods. Don't go swimming after you've eaten or you'll get cramps and you could even drown. Completely not true at all, okay? No science behind that. That tall tale is all wet, okay? So (laughs) that's not true. How about this one? If you're sick, you should eat chicken soup. It'll help you get better. That one is true. I love that. And it seems from my life when I eat chicken soup, if I have a cold, it really does help. And they've actually done research on this and found that it actually does help. Okay, and there are things believed about God and about the Bible that are not true. Here's a couple of easy ones. God helps those who help themselves. The Bible says God helps those who help themselves. The Bible does not say that. Now, the idea behind it isn't completely wrong. If I was applying it uh, in this way, for instance, you know you need to go out and get a job and you need to work and be responsible. You can't just sit around on your lazy boy and binge on Netflix, right? Uh, Because the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Well, I have a better verse. Just say the Bible says if you don't work, you don't get to eat. Okay, so go get a job. So 
I mean, if you were to get really technical, God helps those who can't help themselves, right? Uh, because when we get to the end of ourselves, we really get to the beginning of God. Here's another one often quoted. You know the Bible says, cleanliness is next to godliness. And that's usually what a parent says when they want their child to get clean, right? Now I'm all for soap and being clean, but the Bible does not say <laughs> cleanliness is next to godliness. But there are many sentiments that people carry in life that are simply not biblical. Uh, one would be, well, God is angry at me and he wants to ruin my life. Some people think this. God's just out to ruin everything that I planned for myself. You know, that is so wrong. God's mad at me. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. If there's one thing that's clear in Scripture, it is this, God loves you. You see it from Genesis to Revelation. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The Bible even says, God is love. First John 3, 1 says, Behold what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. God loves you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you a life that is worth living. Now let's take the flip side of that and we hear people say, God loves me and accepts me as I am, right? This is usually said by someone that is probably doing something they should not do. Yeah, I know that I go out and I party and get drunk on the weekend, but God loves me and accepts me as I am. Well, I know that we're getting a divorce and we don't have a biblical reason, but still, God loves me and accepts me as I am. I know that I shouldn't do this, but God loves me and accepts me as I am. Other variations of this is, no one is perfect. And one of my favorites, hey man, don't judge my journey. <laughs> yeah, I might judge your journey a little bit. <laughs> Especially because your journey might lead you to the wrong place. The fact of the matter is, the Bible tells us that judgment begins in the house of God. A Christian is to be discerning, and a Christian is to make judgments. When Jesus says, Oh, by the way, their favorite verses are, judge not lest you be judged, and let him that is without sin cast the first stone, right? That's our way of saying, go away and stop talking to me, Christian, with your Bible. Now it is true, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, but a better translation would be, condemn not lest you be condemned. But this idea of God loves me and accepts me as I am needs to be looked at. So is it true that God loves me and accepts me as I am? I would say technically the answer is yes. But now let me add another statement to it. God loves you and accepts you as you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. So I don't have to do something to earn the love of God. I have the love of God. It is extended toward me even as a sinner. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loves me, but he doesn't want to leave me the way that I am. The classic example is the story of the prodigal son. He sinned against his father. He came to his senses. He decided to return home. And the father saw him and ran toward him and threw his arms around him and kissed him and hugged him and said, Rejoice, this my son who is dead is alive again. He who was lost is found. And then he said, Get this kid a bath and some clean clothes. Because the boy had been hanging out with pigs. 
He didn't smell right. He needed to clean his life up. He needed to learn that cleanliness is next to godliness, right? <laughs> so this is us. We come to Jesus with all of our sin, with all of the things that are wrong, and God says, I love you. I accept you as you are. Now repent of your sin and live a new life. And I'll give you the power to do that from my Holy Spirit. So that's a commonly believed idea. And then the Bible even says, keep yourself in the love of God. That doesn't mean do things to earn God's love. But what it means is stay in a place where God can actively show His love toward you. Stay away from things that would separate you from God. Okay, here's another one that we've all heard. Follow your heart. Just no matter what in life, just follow your heart. It's similar to God loves and accepts me as I am. Variations of this idea would be the heart wants what it wants. What, what does that even mean? The heart wants what it wants. Or listen to your heart and you will find the truth. Now when we use this phrase heart in English in our culture today we're primarily speaking of our emotion. Uh, in Hebrew culture when the Bible says love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind it didn't make that kind of a distinction. Uh, it would include your mind as well as your heart. But it will say, follow your heart. In other words, follow your emotion. And we use this phrase about our heart all the time. If someone is uh, very emotional, we'll say, oh, they wear their heart on their sleeve, right? If we're sad, we say, I'm heartbroken. If we're insensitive to the needs of others, we'll say, you are so heartless. And then we wonder why someone doesn't care. We say, where's your heart? Well, maybe they should check their sleeve because that's the last place they left it, right? <laughs> then there's countless songs about the heart. Bruce Springsteen had a hungry heart. Billy Ray Cyrus had an achy, breaky heart. <laughs> maybe that's why Tony Braxton sang, Unbreak My Heart, because Billy Ray gave her an achy, breaky heart. <laughs> and then the Bee Gees sang, How Can You Mend? a broken heart, especially an achy breaky heart. But then Celine Dion reminds us that the heart will go on even if it's achy breaky and it's been broken, right? Okay, so should we follow our heart? No. Why? The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. You see, we need to follow God's heart, not our heart. And as we fill our minds with the Word of God, our mind changes and our heart changes. Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And then we're told in Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. When you get your life aligned with God's will, when you get your prayers in sync with what God wants for you, He will give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart will change. But if you just say follow your heart and follow your emotion, you can get into a lot of trouble. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. You know, when you've walked in the very land where Jesus himself walked, you'll gain a whole new appreciation for the truth of Scripture. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here, inviting you to the Harvest Ministries Israel Tour, April 9 to 19, 2024. 
This will be an unforgettable journey through biblical sites and a unique opportunity to grow in your own faith. Listen, spots are limited. Be sure to sign up as soon as possible at israel.harvest.org. Again, it's israel.harvest.org. I hope to see you there. Well, today, Pastor Greg is presenting a fascinating message called Things Jesus Never Said. Glad you're along for our series in the book of James. Here's another thing people believe. Trust your gut. Just trust your gut. I don't know. I'd like to trust my gut. I don't know. My gut gets me into trouble. Maybe I'm hungry in the evening and I'm driving home and and my mind says, you should just have a nice salad. The gut says, Taco Bell, right? The gut. <laughs> trust your gut. Now sometimes we're maybe having a conversation with someone and we get a sense. Uh, you could call it intuition. Like, I don't know if this person is on the up and up. I don't know if I trust that person. And there's some value there. We have certain insights maybe. But the Bible doesn't teach us to trust our gut because our gut or our emotions can get us into trouble. Uh, in Proverbs 16:25, we read, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So instead of trusting our gut, we need to trust in the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Here's something else Jesus never said. We need to love ourselves. Love ourselves. You need to love yourself more. The problem is you don't love yourself enough. So untrue. <laughs> you love yourself. I love myself. When someone takes a picture and you're in the picture, who do you look for first? And then what do you say? Don't post that. Why? I look fat. Don't post it. Let me Photoshop it quickly. You know, what's our favorite form of photography? Selfies. You know, we love ourselves already. So this is pretty much an established fact. In fact, we love ourselves too much. But wait, doesn't the Bible say, love your neighbor as you love yourself? So therefore the Bible's teaching you to love yourself. No. The Bible is saying, it's obvious you already love yourself. Can't you love your neighbor as well? See, the Bible actually teaches the opposite of loving yourself. It actually tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and put Christ first. Sometimes a variation of this is, I'm trying to find myself. Usually before someone does something really stupid, they'll say, I'm just trying to find myself. Jesus says, if you want to find yourself, you need to lose yourself. Or dedicate yourself to me. He says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever will lose his life will find it. Here's another one. I deserve to be happy. I know what I'm doing is maybe not the right thing, but I deserve to be happy. Well, really? Well, the Bible even says it. No, it actually doesn't. Now, it's not that God wants you to be unhappy. God wants you to be happy in the right way. I mean, back in AD 397, Augustine said, everyone, whatever his condition, desires to be happy. So this pursuit of happiness is not unique to 
modern times, mankind has always wanted to be happy. And the problem is we go about trying to find happiness in the wrong way. Oh, if I was famous, I'd be happy. Or oh, if I had all this money, I'd be happy. Or if I did this or did that, I would be happy. And it's simply not true. When comedian Dave Chappelle was making millions of dollars, he said he was not happy. And he was quoted to say, the higher up I go, the less happy I am. And that's why it shouldn't be a shock to us when we read of some celebrity overdosing on drugs or going into rehab for the 30th time or sometimes tragically even taking their own lives. It's because they've climbed to the top and they found out there's nothing there. See, when you don't have it, you may think, yeah, one day maybe though, if I won the lottery, then I would be happy. But then you find out, no, that's not where it is. So it's not wrong that you want to be happy. You just need to go about finding that happiness in the right way. I deserve it. Do you deserve it? Let's not get into that. If we're gonna talk about what we deserve, I'll be blunt with you. You deserve to be judged for your sin. And so do I. So don't say to God, I deserve to be happy. The Lord says, really, we're gonna go there? Okay, let's take it another way. Can I be happy? The answer is yes. Does God want me to be happy? Again, the answer is yes. But you'll never find happiness by pursuing it. You'll find happiness by pursuing the Lord. Right? The Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, happy are those that hear the word of God and keep it. So, if you want to live a happy life, live a holy life. Live a godly life and put the Lord first and you will find that happiness will come as a result. Here's another one. God wants me to follow my dreams. Well, not exactly. It's not bad to have a dream. But sometimes your dreams are not the best dreams. And sometimes you might get what you want and your dream might turn into a nightmare. So here's what it comes down to. I want to find God's plan for my life. Listen to this. God's plan for your life is better than your own. Put His will first. And that's hard for us to do because that goes back to my first point. God's against me. God hates me. Wrong. God loves you. God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. So understand that. Now coming back to my dream. Okay, I have my dreams. So dedicate your dreams to the Lord. Okay, Lord, this is kind of what I think I want. But I can tell you after living a few years that I can look back on my life and thank the Lord he didn't answer some of my prayers. Right? Thank God for unanswered prayers. The Lord said, no. God, you, if you love me, you'd let me. No, I love you and that's why I'm not letting you. And you'll know this one day when you get older. And you look back in retrospect and realize my plan for you is better than your plan for yourself. Listen, God is omniscient. It's a theological word that simply means God is all knowing. God knows everything. He knows everything about you and me and all of us. In fact, the Bible even tells us in Psalm 147, verse four, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Can you imagine that? God knows all the stars. So in 2021, the James Webb Telescope was launched. The results are blowing the minds of astronomers and scientists. 
This space going infrared telescope captures previously unobservable planets, stars, and galaxies right out to the edge of space and beyond. This is the creation of God that we've never seen before. And astronomers now estimate that there are a 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way and outside of that millions and millions of other galaxies. And what did we just read? We read that God knows every star, each with its own name. Boy, I'd run out of names fast if it was up to me. Uh, Rover, uh, Bob, Larry, Mary. I don't know. I mean, every one of those stars has a name that God has given to them. So I bring this up because if God has named all the stars and all of the galaxies out there, does He not care about you? He does. In fact, if it concerns you, it concerns God. Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of my sorrows. You've collected my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. So you can take a step of faith today knowing that God knows your tomorrow. He's already been there. He's getting things ready for you. So don't follow your dreams. Follow the Lord who has a better plan for you then you're on. Good encouragement and clarification today on A New Beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie's message is titled, Things Jesus Never Said. You know, Pastor Greg, our radio program is heard on hundreds and hundreds of stations across the country. And I've had the privilege of getting to know a number of the station managers of those radio stations. And uh, I've gotten to know a gentleman named Rick McClary quite well. Uh, Rick just retired just recently, but he was the general manager of a couple of stations in Minnesota uh, that carried uh, our radio program. And he sent me an email after watching Jesus Revolution, and I wanted to share it with you. He said, please pass on to Pastor Greg how much I appreciated the movie Jesus Revolution. You might remember when the book came out, I was also intercepted during the Jesus movement. I wound up helping to run a Jesus people home in Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, wow. I was baptized in a lake with a dozen other (laughs) ex-hippies. It was an incredible experience. Anyway, during the baptism scene in the movie, I cried. It brought back so many memories of that time. Eleven years later, the Lord led me into broadcasting, and then I retired 40-plus years later in 2021. Please thank Greg for his obedience in Mm. following the Lord these many years later. Wow. Well, thank you very much for that, and God bless you. And the Jesus movement went all across the country. It wasn't just in Southern California. But so many people say their favorite scene is when my character, Greg, a very young Greg, played by Joel Courtney— powerful performance, finally accepts Christ and is baptized. Now, I know this is radio, and I can't show you how powerful it is visually, but I think as you just listen, uh, you'll be able to see it in your mind's eye. So let me set the scene. Uh, Greg and Kathy are at Pirate's Cove, which is a little beach in Newport. Uh, Kathy has just been baptized. Greg has heard the gospel at this point, but he hasn't made his commitment to Christ. So he a bit reluctantly walks out into the water, and there he is greeted by Lonnie Frisbee, 
played by Jonathan Rumi, best known for playing the role of Jesus in The Chosen. And they have some words together, and a prayer takes place. Listen to this. Greg, right? Yeah. I've been praying for this moment since I first met you. Have you decided? Um, I don't know. You want to decide right now? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You are the Savior of the world. You are the Savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I repent for my sins. I repent for all my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and friend. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to see that scene, and here's how it's going to happen. I want to send you a DVD of the Jesus Revolution movie. You'll see that scene and many others that will move you in a significant way. I have seen this film with many audiences around the country and individuals sitting in my front room and elsewhere, and so many times people tear up. It's a flashback for some. They remember their baptism. But we've had other people say, I want to be baptized. I heard one story of when this film was shown in a theater. Some people wanted to come to Christ and be baptized, and they literally baptized them in the fountain outside of the theater. <laughs> so this, th- wow. these stories are crazy that we're hearing. They're amazing. And uh, so I want to send you a special edition of The Jesus Revolution on DVD. It has bonus content, including a custom message that we shot on the beach as the sun was setting in Newport Beach, where I present the gospel. And it even has a prayer that a person could pray to accept Christ. And there's some other special features on this DVD we'll send you for your gift of any size. Now, I'm going to ask you to be more generous than normal because we do have to pay more for this resource. And so we're trusting that you will send a generous gift to us so we can continue to preach the gospel and teach the Word of God right here on A New Beginning. Yeah, and we do appreciate your partnership with us that makes these daily studies possible. So get in touch today for your DVD of Jesus Revolution. And we'll also include a free streaming code. And we won't be mentioning this much longer, so contact us soon. Call us anytime at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. You know, there's nothing like hearing the Word of God and worshiping the Lord together. I want to encourage you to join us for something we call Harvest at Home. It happens every Saturday and Sunday at Harvest.org. You can join Christians from around the world as we worship and we study the Word of God together. So join us for Harvest at Home at Harvest.org. Well, next time, more insights on the reliable wisdom found in God's Word as we continue our studies in the book of James. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher Greg Laurie. 
A New Beginning is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. If this show has impacted your life, share your story, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, and help others find hope.